Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, the number one show at 5 o'clock, Cats at Night. And we got one great show for you today. So many things happening in our country, in the world. And uh, we have a great uh, uh, amount of people in the studio. We have uh, two common sense Democrats, Judge Weinberg, uh, Governor Patterson, common sense Republican, Ed Cox, and... My sidekick today, Lydia, is out under the weather, but she'll be back Monday. We have Rita, Rita Cosby. How are you, Rita? I'm doing great because I'm now with the Cats at Night team, and what an action-packed day we have ahead to, John. Rita, you always make us smile. Thank you. And boy, there's a lot to take in today. There's a lot. I'm so excited to be with the boys, um, and we've got a, a rock and sock show today. today. Well, we've the, got- the big news today is January 6th. Uh, and the market went up almost a thousand points besides. But uh, about 10 minutes ago, Mike Pompeo called me. Here is this amazing discussion just a few minutes ago with John with and Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo and uh, former uh, West Pointer, number one in his class, CIA director and secretary of state. And he still he was there January 6th. And uh, uh, it seems like that January 6th committee. Uh, votes unanimously to subpoena former President Trump. Uh, what say you, Mike Pompeo? You know, John, it just highlights that this has been from the very beginning just a political uh, witch hunt. Uh, they, uh, the, 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 the protests that took place that day were bad. Folks who broke onto Capitol Hill shouldn't have. But the left has decided that they have a handful of weeks left until the election, and they are going to try and drive their banks by telling this false narrative about what took place that day. Uh, in the end, that day finished with democracy working. And you can see they now voted today. Right? It's not a coincidence that we're a handful of weeks out from a big election where folks actually start voting even as we speak. It's not surprising they've now made this decision after, what, a year and a half with not a single Republican uh, on the committee who didn't get appointed by Nancy Pelosi. They voted unanimously to subpoena the former president. It's pretty, it's pretty silly. And I think most Americans can see that. I, I was watching it for only a few minutes, uh, Mr. Secretary, and uh, Adam Schiff says hundreds of people were injured. And I mean, what, what I what I saw is I understand uh, of all the people that went into the Capitol, somebody opened up those Capitol doors and they walked in. I mean, I, I saw that. I mean, did, am I seeing something that I shouldn't have seen? No, that's certainly what uh, some of the video has shown. Uh, there, there were certainly some bad actors, uh, but I, I hearken back to just the, the summer before and the summer of 20, and you had people burning buildings, burning burning stores, restaurants, turning vehicles over, uh, real rioting, uh, taking over part of Seattle. Uh, these, these, are, these are things that Adam Schiff doesn't want you to talk about, think about. He, he wants to talk about this one moment. Uh, it's fundamentally at odds with what people can see with their own eyes, and I tell Tell people all the time, don't let them gaslight you. Don't let them tell you things that your own eyes know not to be true. And if we do that, I'm very confident that people will take this January 6th committee uh, for the political hackery that it is. It's just shocking. I remember watching uh, a, a attack on the White House where they had to take the president of the United States into the sub-basement of the White House to hide him out because they were afraid they're going to they're, they're go over the gates. I, rem- I remember that well, too. Uh, I-, I-, I didn't hear from Zoe Lofgren or from Adam Schiff about that today. I suppose it's unsurprising, John. Well, 
Uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, thank you so much for everything you've done for our country, and thank you. Uh, keep, let's keep the truth uh, alive, and thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, John. You bet, sir. Wow, let me tell you something. Uh, that January 6th committee, uh, I mean, can we get a few truths out of them? Oh, it's amazing. And it's Liz Cheney, who's the one who actually put the motion forward and said, oh, it's going to be unanimous for history. Unanimous with the two Republicans that are but Republican in name but only. Uh, by the way, I think we have Hank Chenkoff on the line, too. Hank, are you there? I am, John. How are you this evening? Good. Um, thank you for participating in, in, in this discussion. We got Ed Cox in the oil, in, in here in the studio. Hello, we Hank. have. Governor, hey, Governor Patterson, hey, Judge Weinberg, Rita Cosby, myself, and, hey, and we're trying to figure out uh, where is the truth? Why are they doing? How many? What percentage of the American people actually believe that this January six six committee is telling the truth? John, I'm going to be on the wrong side of the issue with Go you. Go ahead, I mean, please. I'm a former this police is- officer. I saw police officers injured and treated like dogs. That law was corrupted. I, I happen to agree with Secretary Pompeo about the failure to effectively arrest and and uh, and sanction legally in every way possible those who rioted in the uh, in the wake of the George Floyd murder. But I don't believe that uh, we can look aside from what occurred on January sixth that we want this republic to continue. And and it would, in order to say the opposite of that, you'd have to erase. I don't know, millions and millions and millions of hours of, of real film that was taken by real reporters in real settings and watching real actions hey, and, notifying hey. and being noted. Oh, hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. To, to, to a real conspiracy to undo the lawful uh, lawful conduct of this uh, republic. I just don't, it just doesn't, you can't say no to that. I mean, it's not a political thing. It's a real thing. It happened. Hey, it's real. My turn. Yeah, you're not trying the, to way, the way I saw it is that the doors were opened by the security guards. Nobody broke down those tremendous big doors that are to the Capitol, and they, they waved the people in. Of all the people that went in there, only one gun was found. There was no insurrection. This was, to me, you know, I did intelligence in the past lifetime. To me, it was a setup. They refused. Uh, you know, something happened to all the people in charge of, of security at the Capitol. And one committed suicide. What, what happened, Rita? Well, you know, the other thing, to your point, John, too, is one of the things that struck me today, Hank, was the fact that they played all this video and they played comments of people worried about security beforehand, but yet where were the security that day? John's, to about, John's point. Pelosi knew about it. Schumer knew about it. What did they do? Trump asked for reinforcements and it was denied. And they, they played didn't. And they played today them saying, um, "Where is well, we need some security, but why didn't they do it they beforehand? Knew, they knew it days in advance. They and knew Pel- it. That's right. They Pelosi knew it, knew it days in advance. Schumer knew it days in advance. They denied the president that ability. And the fact of the matter is, it was not, in my humble opinion, Hank, it was not an insurrection. It was a riot. And it was no different than the other than the venue than when they took over the police stations or they tried to intimidate the federal courts all across the country. 
when they had the rioting with the BLM and the Antifa. Where was the outrage then when they were burning up our cities and yeah. destroying our country? Go ahead, Hank. I was, I was outraged on both occurrences, frankly, and I think I'm a reasonable person. Look, John, Richard, everybody, Judge, Governor, Rita, simple. You can't allow something like this to occur in the capital of the United States. I'm sorry. Well, Hank, uh, Hank you just uh, can't. Hank, I agree with you. There are all types of murders. But when you murder a police officer, you are you are murdering a part of our institution. It's more if you could even say it, it's more than just a murder. And I think for an incident to take place right at the Capitol. And I think, by the way, one of the reasons there wasn't a beefed up security is that the I think people were trying to respect the fact that the president was having a rally. He had a right to his opinion. I don't think he expected it to get out of hand the way it did. But it did get out of hand that way. And I saw a video of them smashing a window open with uh, uh, with, with equipment and, and then going inside. I, and, no, but the I'll, real question I'll, is that no, but Trump anytime you want to see it, I'll show it to you. No, no. But, Governor, the tr- question becomes and what they're trying to pin on Trump is that he deliberately and intentionally, with bad intent, try to create an insurrection. And that's not correct. And I have to correct you. I have to correct you on one thing. And John brought this point up, too. There was no officer that was, per se, killed that day. There were some that were injured. There's no doubt. Some died afterwards of a heart attack. One committed suicide. Uh, I'm, I'm not, what about during the I'm, riots I'm where people were right killed? They were killed. Officers I, I, were actually, killed. there is one thing I think Rita, I never said that any of the officers were killed that day. I never said that. I what think, I'm saying is that this was an attack on an institution. And at the same time, there was... Uh, there was a mechanism for calling for backup, and it had to do with the Speaker of the House and the Senate Majority Leader. They uh, talked uh, as it was starting and tried to get that uh, that backup. They didn't get it. But the point that John has is that there were requests. There are reports out there that they knew ahead of time. They, they showed it today day, of the day, violence. Days, days ahead. Yes, days ahead. It, In fact, today thing, it was well, 10 we days ahead. We haven't heard there, from Ed Cox. There's, Ed one Cox thing we, there's one thing we agree on. This committee is completely political. Why did it start when it did start? Why didn't Pelosi accept uh, McCarthy's appointees to it? Why is it being timed now with the headline? See, it's about the midterm elections. If it was a serious committee, they would have done it at a different timing in a different way. But it is political and that undermines it, the validity of what it's, and, and it decides. It is Fair political. Enough. It is political. And they're trying to convince the American people it's not political. Hank, what do you think about that? I think a grand jury is non-political. I agree. Okay. I think this is very political. Yes. I think that all of this is political. And I think the attack on the, on the capital on that day, if not, if not, uh, if not appropriately dealt with, will be a template for the next occurrence, which will be more lethal and more deadly to democracy. And this has to be dealt with in one way or another. And those responsible for inciting the crowd need to be brought to justice. So what are you what are you suggesting? See, the problem I have, Hank, with all of this, and this is Rita, I have a huge problem with why, if that's the case, if that's the standard, then go after Bernie Sanders for the guy who said Bernie Sanders uh, inspired me basically to go shoot up with uh, the whole you know ball field with Steve no, Scalise. No, no, no. no but, Bernie but, Sanders is having worked having worked for a president of the United States. I can tell you that whatever the president says has immediate impact. The stock market collapses. 
things happen, world leaders get nuts, people in the street lose their minds. That's the way it works. This president acted in a particular way for which he needs to be called to judgment. I don't care what president it was. Any president who does such a thing must be called to judgment. We can talk about it in politics all we want. The outcome is the same. But there are the always people, Hank, that are inspired the by others. The United States was it, under attack, and one man had the ability to stop some of it. No, no, well, but does it, Hank, Hank, how can you connect the dots? Go respect, ahead, Judge. Respectfully, you're talking about two different things. Did he, could he have done more? Could he have been more effective? Should he have said anything? That's one thing. But did, did he deliberately and intentionally cause an insurrection? The answer is no. That's all. They reacted a certain way. Are you responsible always for the way other people's behave? That's the bottom line. And as the judge is saying, they did not prove it today, even in their final arguments. I don't think, Hank. I don't think that the president expected this to happen. And he's made statements that please come to Washington. We're going to really, you know, he wasn't saying do these things, but we're really going to make, make a statement. But when it actually happened. He really didn't say he, no, that there was said, anything wrong with it. He said, go peacefully. Yeah, go peacefully. He used the word peacefully. He said, go peacefully. We love you, but go home. Now, that I thought that was a fair statement because anything that would have gotten those people away from the Capitol, which it did, was effective. But I'm saying after that, he's never acted like there was anything really that wrong there. But bad behavior is not a reason to go after it's the president. Yeah. I, they, it's I, a I, different and bad behavior had, is different. Let's say you had five thousand people there. You did not have five thousand people with guns. You're not overtaking the Capitol. The only it's person was crap. killed. The only person who was killed was one of the protesters. That woman. Yeah, uh, Ashley killed. Babbitt. Ashley right. Babbitt, who was killed by a police officer. And they hid that identity forever and, and forever and, and forever. And in all the Capitol, all the people that walked through, uh, breached the, uh, the Capitol walls, only one person had a gun. There's no insurrection. That's what I can't understand. Well, and they're trying to make gun, the case. You mean in order to have an insurrection, you have to have a gun? I would say you, you have, have to have a, 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 at least muskets. You, you need at least 5,000 muskets. Um, I'm not sure about that, but you mean all, to break the, the walls, to break the glass, to enter the Capitol and threaten the lives of people who, no. are, oh, who are elected. Is Trump responsible for people getting out of control? The business of the people of the United States of America. Is Trump responsible for that? Let him you, could also put a, you could also put you could also kill him by putting, you know, uh, taking the I, things that you used. To we're, break all, the we're all going to agree to disagree. And I think everybody, our whole audience out there knows where we all stand. We know where Governor Patterson stands, Ed Cox. Uh, and, uh, go, and, uh, Governor, go, thank you for promoting. Yeah, promotion. <laughs> can, I, can, I be, can I be governor, too? <laughs> you know, hey, Senator, for you, Rita. Hey, uh, Hank, thanks for joining us. It's me against the four of them. That'll make it a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Governor. Thank you, Hank Shankoff. We all have our opinions. And thank you, Hank. Let the audience decide <laughs> what is the truth. And when you go to vote on November 8th, just decide what is the truth. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back, and we're all fired up, and we're mad as hell, and how's it going? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Well, but Peter the, Finch has joined us. The market, the market went up uh, 800 sore points today. That's going down 400. And, well, up, down, around. It's off how yeah, much? Like 20%, 24% no, last year? Who knows year? anymore? It is and, crazy. But an interesting thing. I got a letter today 
from the Con Edison. I gave you a copy of the letter. What does it say, Rita? It, it is not just a letter, John. It's like a, like a stunning piece of information. They said uh, residential gas customers will have winter bills about 30 2% more than last year. Uh, New York City electric customers will have bills about 22% more. I mean, that is a stunning amount, John. Well, and, and if you didn't get it in your mail yet, and you live in the five boroughs, Connette is going to say, welcome. Welcome. Boy, is that not a sign of where things are at? Well, joining us now, obviously, to talk about all of this, you guys, is the great Bert Flickinger. He is, of course, the managing director of Strategic Reserve Group and a great consumer expert. We're having a heart attack over these numbers, Bert. <laughs> well, uh, Rita, in your Emmy Award winning reporting, distinguished reporting career in broadcast uh, j- journalism, the, the numbers uh, are Mortgage rates have have doubled in a year, as as John and Lydia have have reported uh, quite well. Uh, Gas gas prices have doubled. Uh, Con Ed's bad enough, uh, but uh, propane uh, prices have doubled. And it's a proverbial any Grand Electric Avenue can't uh, can't afford a thing on TV and can't afford to feed the kids. Yeah, but Bert, it's Richard Weinberg. But John Yellen, our esteemed Secretary of the Treasury, said the economy is doing just fine. What say you? I say that Janet Yellen uh, 14 years ago said she saw the financial crisis coming but didn't want to say anything because she didn't want to upset anyone. And I think she disqualified herself in 2007, 2008 to make (laughs) any constructive comments on any consumer or economic or financial considerations. It's unbelievable what's going on, uh, Bert Flickinger. I mean, it is really crazy. Uh, The Saudis have reached the the level where they couldn't take it anymore, and they have no faith in the leadership uh, in Washington. What say you? and 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 John, John, that's that's a, a completely correct report. And Associated Press is reporting today that forty six percent of people in the U.S. report their financial circumstances as poor. And when they get the uh, bills and the letters from Con Ed and the utility companies that you and Reader are reporting so well, uh, it's going to go from forty six percent. The 70% of U.S. people will be in poor financial uh, conditions and living paycheck to paycheck, and they're getting their hours cut, so they don't know if they, if they can get uh, gas, groceries, uh, pay the rent, and keep the heat on. Bert, Ed Cox here. I think I'm going to become a personal bankruptcy lawyer. <laughs> you have a lot of business. Bert, uh, this is David Patterson. If you could quote Eddie Grant and Electric Avenue, everything else you say is right, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, Bert, this is uh, Rita. I want to ask you about uh, President Biden's comments this week, because everyone's been talking about this in this interview, which we'll get into later, too, because it was all over the place. But one of his comments that he said, Bert, was that he was asked by Jake Tapper of CNN, is there a recession? And it's the first time he kind of cracked the door because he said, I don't think we're in a recession. I don't think we'll go to a recession. But if we have a recession, it will be, quote, a very small recession. What, what's your reaction to that? Uh, my my guidance uh, would be what I, I just told Lucas Manfredi, the uh, broadcast journalist for Fox Business News, that the president just simply needs to go home 
Go to his hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, where we just did a major market study where virtually every food retailer and every uh, retailer uh, from Kmart to the grocery store to the drugstore to the hardware stores filed for bankruptcy or liquidation. The housing stock is falling down and depleted and the, the, the roads are wrecked. And uh, no, nobody, nobody can can afford uh, gas, gas groceries, and they can't afford to move out of state because uh, they can't afford to pay the movers. So I just encourage President Biden and, and Mrs. Biden and the family to go home to Scranton, Pittston, uh, Wilkes-Barre, and uh, see the devastation of what happened since they moved from Scranton uh, to Delaware. And see firsthand, and, and then they may they should have a more constructive perspective on how much people are suffering, especially with people going from the middle class to abject poverty, literally within the space of two years. But how do you expect them to move, Bert, if they have a low interest mortgage on their home, and for a new home they'd buy, let's say in Florida, they're going to have uh, twice the interest rate they're going to have to pay. It's not affordable. They're stuck in their home here. You in New can't York. sell your house because you have a three percent interest. Interest, and if you buy a new house, it'll be seven and a half percent interest. Yeah, yeah, and they and they've jacked up the prices of, of uh, mobile homes and, and flexible trailer homes. Uh, so nothing's affordable other than uh, literally, and I hate, hate to say it, uh, put, uh, buy, buying a, a big tent uh, to live outside. And in the sixties and early seventies, with uh, record-breaking inflation, we saw people not being able to afford shoes and, and wearing plastic bread bags and, and st- instead of shoes uh, in the winter time. And sadly, I, th- I think we're getting to those tragic economic and financial circumstances for the majority of families across America. You know, it's interesting, Bert. I mean, he is blaming, though, this president, um, as we're talking about all these layers, he's blaming it on Putin. He's blaming it on the Saudis, but he's not blaming it on his policies in any shape or form with with the oil crisis, especially. He's doubling down on his policies. Yeah. In fact, he cut back uh, yesterday in Colorado on man, uh, mining and, and also on a whole bunch of other stuff with oil. John, I mean, has, <laughs> John has had it right from the very beginning. It's a simple solution. Let's pump here. Yes. Get it out of Alaska. Get it out of. President Biden has said, I rather, he'd rather do business in Venezuela than Texas. I mean, what kind of stuff is that? You were begging from yeah, dictators now. Isn't Venezuela a state, John? No, we didn't annex it yet. <laughs> state of mind. <laughs> and, and, and to John's uh, great, great con point, the owners of the Buffalo Bills, the Pagulas, have made 400% on their money because natural gas prices have increased 400% in, in, in two years. Um, and uh, that's that's going to crush consumers even more when they get the letters that John referenced, as well as the bills in the subsequent months. Well, before we, we only have 30 seconds left. Before we have 30 seconds, Cindy Adams texted me, wants to know what's the price of Balamore cookies and animal crackers? Ooh, key <laughs> questions. <laughs> That's a toughie. They, they're, 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 they're both under $5 on, on, on their way to six fifty. Wow. My God. But I still love those Malamars, and I still love those animal crackers. But Bert Fleckinger, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have further discussions later in the week or next week. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, and congratulations to Rita and you, John, and all the awards and sympathies to, uh, that, that you've conveyed to uh, Bernie McGurk and his wonderful family, Carol, Melanie, and Bernard. Uh, just heartfelt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bert. 
This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to Cats at Night. This is Rita Cosby joining John Katsimatidis, also still with us in studio. Former New York State GOP Chairman Ed Cox, also former New York Governor David Patterson, and also Judge Richard Weinberg, and of course the great John Katsimatidis. Um, we now bring in Dan Henninger, of course the Deputy Editor of the Wall Street Journal, uh, had a really powerful column about the border. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for being here. This is Rita Cosby. Great to have you here. Good to be with you, Rita. You know, we just saw, by the way, a few minutes ago, this is really interesting, Dan, um, a comment from, it's, it's coming actually from two different directions, Pelosi and also New York Governor Hochul, two big Democrats, as you know, basically saying that the Biden administration must take ownership of the ongoing migrant crisis, uh, saying that they have to help. You have to call it a humanitarian crisis. They're not going after the open border, but they are saying you got to help us because all these migrants are coming to all these different communities. What's your reaction to that? That's kind of interesting news that they're sort of taking on the Biden administration somewhat. Wow, that's really interesting. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, they must be reading your column, Dan. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, their getting, backside they're, they're getting calls from uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona and Catherine Cortez-Masto <laughs> in Nevada. Really, uh, this has become a problem for them. Uh at this point, uh, you know, migration has obviously become an issue with a lot of voters uh, sending those migrants up to New York and Chicago and Washington. It's gotten a lot of publicity and uh, people are appalled at what's going on. And I think it's having a real effect. And Hochul and Pelosi are aware that it's suddenly not going their way. I mean, President Biden and Kamala Harris have essentially checked out for two years on this issue. And the question I raise, I mean, let me know what you guys think of it. I think the politics of immigration may be getting flipped right now. I mean, the Republicans have been tagged for years now as being anti-immigrant, notwithstanding their arguments that it's about uh, rule of law. And the progressive Democrats have always self-defined themselves as pro-immigrant. But that's all kind of being exposed now as a fraud. Uh, The sanctuary cities were fake. Uh, You've got a Democratic president of the United States doing nothing about two million people coming into the United States, wandering around the country, small children abandoned. I think the politics of this is beginning to turn around and that there's an opportunity out there for the Republicans to uh, be seen as perhaps the people who, if they take that opportunity to, to try to do something about what's really a tragedy and an embarrassment. And, and the killing of 140,000 Americans with the uh, Chinese fentanyl coming across the borders with the Mexico uh, cartels. Right. Exactly right, John. I mean, the fentanyl opiate crisis has been running alongside of this. And You know, cities like Columbus, Ohio, are just being wrecked by uh, the fentanyl crisis. And a lot of people across the country are aware of that. And they know the fentanyl is just coming from one place across that southern border with Mexico. So this is adding up, I think, altogether to a a potentially huge political problem for the Democrats. And Dan, Richard Weinberg, and you point out in your column today that the Democrats have now lost their moral authority on this issue. Would you explain that? 
Well, they are the ones who have used issues like immigration to uh, take the moral high ground against uh, Republicans all the time. And they've moralized, basically, basically is the right word, about the subjects like uh, immigration. And at crunch time, under pressure, it is being shown to be just all talk. Uh, I have to say, some of us are, are a little bit startled by that. Um how it can be that just hundreds or several thousand uh, migrants come into a city of New York of 8.8 million, and the mayor is declaring a crisis and begging Joe Biden to bail him out with money. Uh, One might have guessed or expected that these um, progressives in these northern cities would have done a better job of stepping up, but it turns out the emperors really have no clothes. And I welcome, more, welcome to Martha's Vineyard. Now get out. Yeah, right, right. right. They were there, for, and you know the thing I'm thinking of too. Um, you know, Dan, as we're talking about all this, is in the midst of all this, right? They come to New York City. And you hear, you know, Mayor Eric Adams and other people saying, you know, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis, bring them up here. But then they never talk about those secret flights. Um, and many of them that even continue just recently into Montgomery, New York. It's like the hypocrisy. I think the average American, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, sits and goes, wait a minute. You know, uh, you're not talking about the tens of thousands that came in secretly from the Biden administration. And the other thing, Dan, uh, that you don't find, I've never seen it on any of the night. Network News cited that 2 million immigrants have come into Texas and into Arizona and only 20,000 here in New York. And New York's in a panic, that's demanding a billion dollars from Washington. And that's what they get in a day across the border yeah. almost in a day. But it's never right. cited. I mean, to put it in perspective, the networks just don't say that. They don't. And uh, I think we have to credit Fox News for staying on this story the way they have. And a lot of it has just been showing the images of the people coming across in the tent cities in Texas and damage that's being done to property owners down in Texas. I mean, they've been simply overwhelmed by this inflow of uh, humanity. They're making some of these cities third world cities. Yeah, they absolutely are. And again, guys, I, I, I find it an embarrassment. We're all here in New York City. We see the Statue of Liberty a lot. We know what it stands for. And somehow the simple idea of opportunity, uh, rightly defined, is being traduced by this process. And Joe Biden's the president. He has to bear some responsibility for it. And boy, as you're suggesting, if Governor Hochul and Speaker Pelosi are now calling him out on it, They've got a big problem. I go back one step further with respect to the drugs that are coming, particularly with respect to fentanyl. You said the car- it comes from the cartels. Actually, the chemicals come from China. And the question is, how good a, a customer is it for you? Maybe with cocaine, maybe with marijuana, maybe with other drugs. But fentanyl kills your customer so quickly, just a small amount. Is there something else going here, Dan, with respect to it coming from China, the chemicals? Breaking news, WABC. And sorry, we got to interrupt you. Um, We just got these details. This is coming from Fox News. And all of you guys, I want to get your reaction. Of course, we're here on Cats at Night. It's saying that... Trump loves the idea of testifying before the January 6th committee, according to a source close to the former president. Trump would use his testimony to showcase how Pelosi did not call up the National Guard, John, like you were talking about. Wow. Thank you, Rita. I said a little while ago, if I were him, I would testify. 
Wow. That's a, and John, it goes right to the security issue because all along, in fact, today, they showed Pelosi and Schumer saying, oh gosh, this is bad. We should call up the security. And there have been reports that, as we just talked about, all of us, that a week and a half before Trump was saying, call the National Guard, let's get security, that Pelosi would have known and acted like, you know, suddenly it was a brand new detail on January 6th, John. And that goes right to it. In fact, if you want to call me, I'm going to report the real facts is, is what he's basically saying in this report. Dan, what do you say about that? Uh, uh, but I will add one political detail. Uh, we've talked to some of the Republicans running the uh, House uh, reelection campaigns, and they say the January 6th committee is being brought up almost by no Democratic candidate out there. They are not running on this. But it looks like no. Trump wants to make a, uh, yeah. a an example. Sure. And uh, it's. You know, he'll get up there and talk for as long as they want to talk. And uh, will they turn off the TV sets so it's not broadcast anybody? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Dan, what do you think? To John's point, do you think it'll actually happen now that he's saying they said we're subpoenaing him? He's calling their bluff. What's going to happen, Dan? I think they they can't back down on this, can they? If they're going to subpoena him, uh, he's going to go up there. The question is whether it's before the election or after the election. Uh, it's kind of kind of the same question of whether the uh, prosecutor in Delaware is going to move on Hunter Thompson, Hunter Biden before the election or after the election. I hope uh, it's not before the election. Be up, we're all going to be up late on election night. <laughs> yeah, we yes, sure we will are. be. Well, Dan, we're going to have you back on again soon. The deputy editor there of Wall Street Journal, Dan Henninger. Thank you, Dan, for reacting to this big breaking news. And John, we've got another guest coming up here. We've got Ambassador James Gilmore is on deck here on Cats and he he was a member. He was the head of the Republican National Committee at one time. He was governor of Virginia. And uh, he called me this afternoon and says he's got some uh, interesting news about the Ukraine. Uh, how are you, Ambassador? Mm-hmm. By the way, did Hello. we have interesting news about Donald Trump wanting to testify? That's interesting news, John. Uh, I think he can have a chance to finally have his say in open public in front of everybody and uh not being filtered out by the mainstream media. So, Will they turn off the TV sets and not not show it? (laughs) (laughs) I think the the United States will see it if he testifies. Do you you think he's really going to do it? Um, Ambassador, this is Rita Cosby, which is great to reconnect with you. What do you think? Will the committee say, uh, I mean, has he called their bluff? Now they got to do it. What do you think? Well, no, if he calls it bluff, they got to do it. If they've issued a subpoena and he says, fine, I'll come in and have my side of the story. I think they have to do it. Now they'll yell at him, but that just makes the uh, his supporters matter. So I think, uh, you know, there's a case to be made, but he has to decide what he knows about it and what he's prepared to say about it. I have no idea what that is. Isn't this stunning, though? Uh, we just broke in, as you may have heard, Ambassador, with this news that according to Fox News, a source close to President Trump says that he wants to testify. Now, two things could happen. Either it happens or he says, I wanted to, but my attorneys advised me otherwise. Uh, we're, do you think it's real? Well, I think he's got to tell his side of the story at some point. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's been advised by his lawyers to keep quiet until he's, uh, you know, somebody really puts him under pressure. But he so far hasn't really had a chance to tell his side of the story of what he did or did not do on uh, January the 6th. Uh, but so far, I don't think anybody's offered any evidence he tried to incite that riot. I mean, but let's wait and see. They can they can quiz him after all this year-long mess that they've been doing on January the 6th. They can, they can quiz him and he can get his day in court. 
but Governor Ed Cox here, and uh, you were a great oh, governor yeah. of Virginia. Uh, and you're a great friend to me. I've visited you many times in New York. Yeah, the, um, my question is, would you really want, from a political point of view, to have Trump testify before the election, for that whole no. circus to happen before the election? Yeah, it's really a great point. I would think that what they would want to do is bring him in after the election. It's nearby, and really, the, it, it, the whole thing is intended to be a distraction. The only thing that the left has got really to talk about is, is Donald Trump. And it is true, Ed. You're right. We need to keep our, our eye on the things that's really of concern to people, and that's inflation, that's crime in the streets, that's the price of gasoline and, uh, and groceries, it's what's going on on the southern border, it's education of our children. These are the things that, uh, that Republicans are talking about. So you're right. It may be intended to be a diversionary tactic before the election. Well, maybe if it happened before the election, the committee would be able to decide how to get abortion into it also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they throw that in there. <laughs> uh, no doubt. You know, what, what about also? Oh, go ahead, John. The ambassador called me this afternoon and said he had some interesting news about the Ukraine. You want, would you like to tell us? Well, of course, uh, we all have been reading the headlines, and I have not been talking on radio or publishing just about the current events. Uh, but I think that it's it's very key for to put it in strategic perspective. And I believe that it's absolutely essential that the Ukrainians win and that they push the Russians out. I think we've got to avoid pushing them into a negotiation where they're supposed to surrender. I think that if the Russians prevail, then aggression and war crimes and atrocities become the, the rule of the day. And then that's going to spread across the uh, the whole world, including Taiwan. So I think we're doing the right thing by supporting the Ukrainians. And I'm going to state this. I'm nervous about what I'm seeing in a small minority of the conservative movement. People who are coming out and saying, well, we, we shouldn't be doing this. You hear it on Fox News. You hear it in uh, Heritage Action. You, CPAC actually said something about it and then withdrew it. Uh, but uh, there's this, this tendency now for isolationism and neo-isolationism, and we shouldn't get involved, and we don't like the Ukrainians, and they're not Democrats, and all this. What matters here is to prevent the Russians from prevailing with their trying to reassemble their empire again, and that's the key. And I'm ashamed of my fellow uh, conservatives, and I'm a lifelong Reagan conservative, and he was no isolationist. Great point. Yeah, you know, uh, go ahead, Ed. Yeah, and uh, G Governor, if you people like Petraeus, who have real battle experience, say it's over as far as the Russians in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are going to push them out. They've got the the the, the moral uh, impetus to do it. The Russians are demoralized. The new troops coming in really aren't trained very well. Uh, but let's assume that happens. That the Russians get pushed out, including out of Crimea. What happens after that? You've had the experience as ambassador to that uh, uh, to a a place where you could observe this firsthand in uh, in Eastern Europe and all the issues there. Well, nobody can predict what happens. I, I know what you, what the danger is of this war uh, because as ambassador in, in Vienna, when I was working with all these ambassadors at OSCE. Uh, they were very resolute about it. The Baltic countries, Poland, Slovakia, uh, Romania, they all get the drill. They know what the truth is, and they're supporting the Ukrainians as well as some of the Western Europeans, the Western Europeans as well. But you asked me what comes after that. Yes. Well, I mean, I think you've got to stop the Russians. That's the main thing, and that's going to be a message to the Chinese that they can't take the gamble. And then at that point, what happens? Well, you know, uh, I think that uh, good, the, you know, the right thing prevails. 
And then the Russians have got to uh, look into themselves. And I think over the long run, at some point, the Russian country has got to look at itself in the mirror and say, this is ridiculous. Uh, We should not have an autocracy like this. We should not have a dictatorship. And we should not be slaughtering our young men on the battlefield for no good purpose. Absolutely. And by the way, Ambassador, I'm half Polish. So believe me, um, I think the Poles have really stepped up. And it is so important to protect those borders. I agree with you. Thank you very much for being with us, Ambassador. Great to have you here. you got to come back on again soon. Your perspective is so terrific. My pleasure. Thanks for having the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. And everybody coming back. Yeah, great. Great stuff, you guys. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are back. And boy, this hour is flying by and so much information. And who the heck knows what the heck is going on? But the medical profession. We have Dr. Mark Siegel with us, and one of the smartest doctors I know. Dr. Mark Siegel, what the heck is going on that people should be concerned about? Well, you know, if I was Greek, imagine how smart you would think I was then. <laughs> oh, you would be a genius. <laughs> I would be. So I'm only a semi-genius, but, you know, I, I still come from that part of the world. Anyway, I adore John, so I kind of... Uh, I fit. I fit anyway. So what's going on is we're, we're having a rash, uh, an infection of cognition problems, people with problems thinking in our leadership roles. And it seems to be contagious. It's spreading from D.C. to, to, to Pennsylvania. 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 It's very yeah, catchy. Well, when the president and the vice president have those problems, it's sure to spread. <laughs> and the I mean, I couldn't believe it's hard to it's hard to say, and I Speaking hate to them. even wade into this topic. But when the president says his son dies in Iraq, and it's actually from this horrible brain tumor, I mean, that's just, I mean, just sad. But I, I don't want to come to a diagnosis on, on on the radio here. You know, Sanjay Gupta, who I actually have a very good relationship with, was trying to defend Fetterman's uh, fluency. Senate, potential senator, vice, uh, you know, whatever he is, assistant governor. Lieutenant governor. His fluency was, was supposedly okay, but I made the point you can't diagnose anything by a video clip. So you have somebody there with Fetterman, with John Fetterman, that seems to have trouble understanding what's said to him and, and trouble expressing himself, had a major stroke from, from a heart that's a balloon, that's ballooned out. The, stro- the, the blood clot, thank God, was sucked out, but, but, but there is residual damage, and we need to know how much residual damage, and we need to have an MRI, and we need to see the health records, as I've been saying since 2008, for candidates for higher office. And the same thing with the president saying he may run again, and where's his yearly physical, and where's his cognitive test? You know, over a certain age, we should have cognitive testing. Somebody that have a stroke should have a cognitive test. Now, he had a mini one, but he didn't have the main one that we usually get. I want to see the vice president's IQ test. Well, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't that wouldn't be bad. I somehow I have a feeling they're trying to edge the vice president out from running for a higher office than vice president. But that that too. I mean, we we deserve better in our leaders, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, we, should, we should have people how, on this panel. Really running. Feel, how do you really feel about the guy running for senate against Doctor Us? <laughs> well, you know, so no, I mean, the issue of him on crime, the issue of, of, of his insincerity, his background. I mean, he's he seems to be a thug to some extent. Maybe I shouldn't say that on the radio or someone's going to be knocking on my door. But 
you know, I'm concerned about the health issues. He's got major health issues. I don't I think we deserve to know. I've always felt once they started on this issue of transparency, when McCain was running for president in 2008 and they made me go out to Phoenix to look at 1200 pages of health records looking for a melanoma recurrence that didn't happen. I said, OK, this is the new standard. It's ironic, isn't it, John, that the guy that Fetterman is running against is one of the top heart surgeons in the history of the country. Maybe we should elect both of them. He must have an IQ of 160. You know, well, I mean, with or without uh, the Dr. Oz is one, oh, no, yeah. Dr. Oz is one smart guy. And he's a great surgeon. No one ever talks about that fact. That he is a great surgeon. One what people are missing is that he has become a great politician. It's difficult, difficult to make the transition from being a celebrity to being a political Yeah, he knows his person. issues. You're both dealing with the public, but it's in a different way. And now he's made that transition. He knows that he's been on the ground. He's been we're dealing, talking to people all and across he the understand, state. He's he got not only understands the issues, he's right on the public policies. Let everybody out of jail like Fetterman wants to do. Oh, it's crazy. And he's maintained that. You know, I want to ask you also, um, Dr. Siegel, this is Rita Cosby, and I love you too. Um, you know, I want to, I want to get your take on this interview with Fetterman recently because as a journalist it was really interesting because the journalist who interviewed him it was with the local NBC affiliate in Pennsylvania she said he couldn't even do small talk like when the cameras weren't rolling first of all even when the cameras were rolling it had the closed caption which was you know and he struggled but she said even when the cameras weren't rolling he could not do even small talk and then she got lambasted by the left for criticizing here she's just an innocent you know you know impartial journalist your reaction doctor I think that, that, that that's I, I don't care about the small talk as much as I care about the large talk. But I think that, that one's indicative of the other. If you can't do small talk, you can't do big talk. And, I, and I, I don't I don't understand what anybody's voting for here. I mean, what are you voting for? Someone that doesn't understand the bills that are on their desk, someone that can't really conceptualize what they're voting for, what they're not voting for. Why can't we demand a cognitive test? Why can't I see an MRI and know what kind of damage was done? Why 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 don't the voters of Pennsylvania care about that. It looks like things are so polarized right now that all anybody votes for is is blue or red. And and Pennsylvania is a purple state, right? So therefore there's a there's a contest going on. But but I think if 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 I were voting, I don't care what my party affiliation, I would want somebody in that office that was able to understand what the bills are that they're voting on. Or maybe they're not voting. Maybe that's what they're assuming. But this is a very very crucial time and this is a very crucial race in Pennsylvania. By the way, I do think Oz is going to win. And I also want to say one more thing about Oz. You you can do two things well, maybe three things in life. And the fact that he's a tremendous cardiac surgeon is not a coincidence. You can learn when you can learn that you can learn anything. And I'm a great grocery man. And a great host. And a great radio host, too, John. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there's no breakfast this Saturday morning, so I won't see you. I'll see <laughs> you next you. week. That, thank you, Dr. Rosico. Thank you, Rita, for uh, coming in today. And it was a fun day. I loved it. Ed Cox, uh, Governor Patterson, uh, uh, Judge Weinberg, thank you all. And, and hey, we mix it up well because, you know, you know, if somebody disagrees with us, we talk about it. What's wrong with that? And what, what does this show stand for? True, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. God Good night, Superman. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 